a Podcast One production. I like that your microphone's a little bit flaccid. My, I always have a droopy mic. And a limp, droopy doodle. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. And we're doing a podcast because what we're wearing is too good for you to look at. Are we recording? Are we ready to record this absolute landmine of a topic? I had something I wanted to start off with. I want to start off with this. I understand that we are two privileged white people. Everything we say here, we say with love. In the building of a conversation with you, if I just want us all to just have just a moment, a big deep breath, let's just explore each other's bodies. We're all fun and approachable. Nobody is a racist here, except I mean, when, for Christian. I mean... <laughs> We're not just talking about racism. We're talking about the representation of minorities and we are part of a minority. But I suppose the like sort of pillar of this conversation is racism and we are two privileged white men. There's also a lot of like what I like to call financial racism in fashion where we exclude people because of their means and income and also because they have historically made a lot of money in fields that aren't necessarily creative. So I'm not I'm not just going to have a conversation with you about the supermodel Adut Akesh. I'm also going to have a conversation with you on a much broader, like, exclusion sphere. And I love all races equally. Okay. Good stuff. When I think about it, it's like there are lots of seats at the fashion table, but there's only ever one for the minorities. So this season it might be trans models. The next season it might be women of colour. Tokenism. Then, yeah, it's it's like, oh no, we're cute. Oh look, we, we put the fatties in this time so we don't have to put the Asians in because the fatties are here. Oh, now it's the Chinese. Yeah. No, so we don't have to put anyone else in. I was actually reading a report from the fall 2018 fashion month and basically it was the best so far for representation of people of colour and for trans people, but for people over the age of 50 and plus size models, it was down severely from... Yeah. And it's it's completely... It's, yeah. And I do think that at least with people of colour and with trans, it has moved past a point of tokenism, it mm. seems, but it is still a shame that we can't sort of hit more than one or two criteria. I got two things I want to just say really quickly while they're Give in my mind. Me. One Give was I want to shout out Gorman. Recently at the Melbourne Fashion Festival, Gorman were the only Australian brand to cast a trans model, which I think was really cool. And she didn't tuck a penis, which I thought was extra cool. But do you know what annoyed me about... Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. The Melbourne Fashion Festival is they got Ashley Graham to come and walk in the show as well. And a lot of the labels that she wore, they custom made a plus size for her, but do not make plus sizes. Yeah. So this is what I... And they were all being applauded for having a plus size model on the runway. I'm like, sure. But that in itself is just so... Like, they're just capitalising on this trend without actually giving anything back to that Yeah, well, that's right. Minority. It's, it's screaming into an echo. I actually think fat people are the majority now, but I don't want to say fat. No, I want to say fat. I want to say fat. That's what I want to use. Um, what I find the most interesting when we talk about racism in fashion is obviously race and race uh, kind of conversations stem from this part of we're all equal, we are not a skin colour, we are not, you know, we're all the same, et cetera, et cetera. In fashion, for example, Valentino and Moncler just did a collaboration and every model they used was dark-skinned. 
because it looked better with the collection. Valentino, though, is they a, use a lot of they use a lot a of very very diverse and inclusive when it comes to all of their is campaigns. It and bad? Is it bad if you cast a girl because she's black and she looks better in your clothes? I actually was looking at this myself when I was looking at sort of makeup stuff and inclusion on makeup stuff and how like Dior have only now just included 40 shades after sort of Rihanna and everyone did it. And people were saying, oh, but it's a shame that they've only sort of done it now that they've realized that they can make money from it. But realistically, I think that even sure, that's not a nice place that it comes from. Sure, if the place that it comes from is it just looks better on this person. the root of it might not be fantastic, but if it ultimately leads to inclusion and diversity, then I do think it is a positive thing. Completely. I am a huge champion of celebrating, not demonising. I think even just when I spoke about Victoria Fashion Festival, the reason I found out about it is everyone was saying how terrible it was that there was only this one model, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I in in my experience with dealing with, uh, with being part of a minority that is sometimes kind of excluded or, or not not invited or, or if I feel like I'm I'm not a part of the the bigger conversation, I find it much better to meet it with positivity and not dwell on the fact that maybe they didn't. But I mean, even now, I think that the pressure for speed and and for new exciting items has actually caused the process of like going through and actually selecting stuff and actually reviewing stuff is much smaller now. So things are kind of stupidly slipping through the cracks, like Katy Perry's shoes, which uh, late last year were pulled off the market because of blackface, like the H&M t-shirt that said cutest monkey in the jungle. Yeah, It's these stupid things that are slipping through because there is this consumer need for new and exciting things right now and it's not being reviewed as quickly. I do think sensitivity is important and there's been a lot of conversations between you and I about things like cultural appropriation and things like that. And I appreciate that. But I also think that we need to at one point loosen the belt on stuff. Like... If we want everyone to be included, then we need to include everyone. I remember when Dolce Gabbana, it would have been maybe 2014, did a Sicilian collection and it was very, very hyper Sicilian and they did these earrings, these big like, um, I'm sure they were ceramic, but they kind of looked quite uh, like paper mache and painted and they were like a really, really dark woman and she had like a bright yellow hat on and, and like a floral uh, kind of dress and she was holding a big basket of fruit and everyone was like, oh, is this a is this a bad thing? I don't think it is a bad thing because I want those people to be represented in fashion. I want, as long as it's obviously done respectfully and not disgustingly, I want to be able to enjoy that kind of iconography openly and in a, obviously like somebody, a house like Dolce Gabbana, they have made beautiful things for what, like 40 years now and they are, they It's not like Vetmont's where it's kind of a social comment. Like they just make beautiful things. Obviously they've made this as an object of beauty. I want us to be able to appreciate everything on the face value because that's what we're doing with models. Like if you're booked, if a dude is booked to do a Valentino show, it's for how she looks. That is, that is the, the reality is we can talk about, oh, blah, 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 this and blah, blah, blah. We're all beautiful and we all bleed red. But if we're talking about the inclusion of people from minorities in fashion, they are booked for how they look. So we should be looking at things with the number one priority of how does it look? And if it, you know, if it offends someone like that H&M t-shirt where they put 
the cutest little monkey in the jungle on an African-American child, yeah, it should be pulled. That's fucking stupid. I think addressing the issue of inequality in fashion is really high on my priority list. Well, you're seeing people now like Prada who have a diversity council Mm. and H&M have a diversity council Mm. too led by Annie Wu. But the Prada's um, diversity council sounds really amazing and their whole sort of mentality about trying to increase diversity and inclusion not only in their house but obviously Prada being such a historical fashion house in the whole fashion realm I think speaks major, major things. Completely. And I understand that it is equality for every minority is usually an angry march. It's an angry march with lots and lots of blood. But I think the march for equality in fashion, it needs to be done in a much smarter way. This is a business. We're talking about finances. We're talking about, um, we're not talking about like civil rights. This kind of fight needs to be much more clever. Like I can't just yell and scream or trash a H&M store. That doesn't, it doesn't kind of help the conversation move forward. In my opinion, I think we really need to like put our heads together and just push by celebrating when people do like houses, like Valentino Prada, like when they do do greatness, that is the marker that everyone's kind of held to. Cause you can't, I feel like I can't shame a collection. I can't shame a collection like, um, Balmain's Haute Couture, who obviously painted a lot of their girls, very, very white or kind of very, very ashy because that was visually his direction. He himself is of an ethnic minority. So for him to make that creative decision, obviously that's coming from a place of like creative understanding. Like I can't judge people for doing those things if that is their vision. But what I can do is really, really celebrate when their creative vision includes everyone. That's exciting. Just casting... Um, a Sudanese girl or just casting a Korean girl because you're like, oh, I better send one down. That well, is not Chanel inclusion. Well, Chanel has talked a lot about back in the 90s when she would sort of be booked for shows and then would get to the show and they'll be like, we don't need you anymore. We already have a black model. Yeah. Like we, if you're just casting to cast because you feel like, oh, I should do it, then you're not actually helping the situation. Yeah. It's when you're integrating it into the fabric of your collection, then I'm excited. That's, again, and I'll go back to those Dolce Gabbana earrings, which caused such a stir. That's why I loved them, because those earrings were put on a very Sicilian-Italian model. They were integrated into the DNA of the brand, and that, I think, is what moves us forward. Not just like, oh, well, we better get Naomi in here. Poodles. If you don't have legs, you can't wear high heels. And if you don't have a brain, here's a history segment. Watch closely. Welcome to the Radical Fashionism School of Fashion for the Gifted. And the not-so-gifted. I love it. So at this point, we would typically do a history segment, but obviously... um, well, I mean, realistically, we're two white men and we kind of want to slightly <laughs> counteract say, that. You'd say the history of racism is um, a little dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So instead, we kind of just wanted to highlight people of colour slash people that are in a minority. They A lot of them fit into the queer minority too, mm-hmm. um, that we really love that are in the fashion world. Yeah. Miyako Belize, she's a stylist and she's actually um, the one that sort of very much took tween heartthrob Robert Patterson from his like twilight like good boy days and made him like a bit grungy and a bit cool and fashiony. She's like really fucking cool. If you look up her Instagram, she does a lot of her own sort of editorials and stuff or just like generally when she styles herself and takes really great photos. She's um really phenomenal. Norma Han is a model from South Korea, has done 
a lot of, I guess, indie kind of magazines. He's been on the cover of Dazed. He's walked through really big houses like Calvin Klein, Jill Sander. He's done W Mag. He's also a tattoo artist, which I always love. I always really love when people do something and then modelling or influencing is their kind of side hustle. Many people in the US accepted him, but he really struggled in Europe initially because he was a heavily tattooed Asian man, which I guess is a... Yeah, well, he's talked about like how obviously he kind of hit two criteria, and people over in Europe really kind of struggled with that. Yeah, well, they were used like fit into one kind of category. We've got our Asian model. We don't need an Asian tattooed one. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Chrissy Rutherford, she's the senior digital editor at Harper's US. She started as an intern there and has basically just completely worked her way up the ranks. But she's also behind the um, Harper's Bazaar Insta account, which has over three point nine million followers and is often ranked in the top five fashion magazines in Steer Account. She's sort of the head of all of that stuff. She's the one that's really produced a lot of the content and like really kind of kept it very fresh. Mm. So John B, a makeup artist and contributor to Vogue. I love him. Italia, yes, he is incredible. Uh, Beyonce's go-to makeup artist. <sighs> he did her oh. looks for... Um, Coachella. Yeah. And, and her Vogue magazine yeah. show. And he's and been a part of Gap and L'Oreal campaigns. I think when you start to scratch this, and this is why I think inherently fashion is an actual inclusive by kind of larger scale industry is because if you start to really get into the nitty gritty of who makes the shit, like who is doing the shit, maybe not necessarily the models all the time, but who is actually there we are a very diverse group of people. But it's kind of like anything. Like when the pendulum swings one way, it, it sort of forces it to also go. I was reading something with Miyako, who was the first person that I mentioned, and she was saying that a lot of the shoots when she began, she would look around and the only people of colour would be herself and maybe one or two hair or makeup artists. But the people that they were shooting that were in front of the camera were always white, which is actually what led to her just self-producing a lot of content and doing a lot of her own shoots featuring people of colour featuring queer people, featuring people that are a minority because she saw it swing so one way that she kind of forced it yeah. and like made a stamp herself. This is Radical Fashionism with Christian and Andy. I need to know something. You need to assure me that you can handle this. You ready? Because I ready? don't ready? think that you can handle this. Well, I just don't think that you, you are ready for this jelly. All right. Let's go and see Kelly. Obviously, you've had massive contributions to music, but we want to talk about your contribution to fashion. Do you consider yourself a fashion icon? Because on the internet, when you Google Kelly Rowland fashion, there is so many Pinterest tumblers, websites dedicated to finding photos of you, what you're wearing, deconstructing the outfit and where, where you, you can, can get, get it. The outfit. I don't believe y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. serious? Yeah, because um, obviously <laughs> you've done your collaboration with Fabletics. Like, people are obsessed. I didn't know So that. you don't you don't realise that you're a fashion I d- icon? I didn't because, uh, you know, I always see the places where I'm like, oh, boo, why did you choose to do that? <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? That's me today. So, no, I know I love the choice. Thank I love you. the choice. Thank this you. is a great choice. We learn from our mistakes. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I remember putting on an outfit that looked like a baby chick. So, you know what I mean? That's, I'm just thinking about that moment like, not a good choice. Do you feel as a woman of colour that you are represented in the fashion industry uh, equally or you're celebrated equally? Or do you feel like you're put there because of your celebrity now? Like when you were starting out, 
were did did you find it hard to find people who wanted to dress you did you for find- sure yeah for sure it was so many people that said no i actually some of those people i don't buy their no <laughs> way i don't buy those designers. hold a grudge hold a grudge yes, we do yes. hold a grudge hold a grudge <laughs> keep, keep hold that's of great yeah. i did but i don't even buy their stuff anymore because yeah. i was like you didn't even want to dress us at the beginning uh but i remember um designers who did from um armani um to uh versace those were the two that I really, really remember. But um, Mr. Armani was the first. And you have, I guess, from a like a visual standpoint, have been in the public eye for such a long period of time. You've really seen some trends come and go and you have been really a part of some trends. Yep, yeah, leading a lot of them trends. Yeah, right up I'm there. scared. Low-waisted <laughs> pants and crop tops is always a vibe. Uh, yeah. It's always a vibe. Yeah, but yeah. I you know, I just don't know if I would do it now because I like the way high-waisted pants feel on my uh, body. Uh, yeah. I feel like you can, like, really accentuate your waist, you know what I mean, as such, and it just looks cuter. Like, what do you look back on and you just think, what was I doing? It was these really bad, I'm telling you, yellow baby chick outfits the Destiny's Child wore. I'll no, never that forget sounds like that. No, we completely disagree that. because one of our greatest times in life is to look at the coordinating outfits. <laughs> Soldier. Then, but then, Soldier. And, but then also. Soldier was so good. So good. Oh, no way, Bootylicious. But then in your second, your second album, uh, the bump like this video, I was 17 when it came out and I would just watch it on literal loop for the chair the dress that you wore in the chair scene I was it was heavy it was it was also like the first time in my kind of cognitive memory that I saw like a woman of color Mm -hmm. really like high fashion glam like I hadn't I'd seen a lot of obviously uh those uh, even in like Diana Ross Mm -hmm. and the Supremes there was always this like urban or quite like um conservative element that mm-hmm. was was added to the mix, I guess, to make it more palatable to the wider Messes, audience. Uh-huh. But that video clip with you and Eve, I was like, oh, they don't give a shit. Thank and I you. loved it. Thank it was you so, so important. much. Thank you. Who did you, when you were sort of a young girl, look up to that was also a woman of colour that really kind of you felt represented you in the fashion industry? Naomi Campbell. Oh, Jesus. She is a goddess. Naomi Campbell for sure. Like even when we would just like play dress up at home, um, like, and we were still like you know older. <laughs> I was like, I'm Naomi. I remember going to buy me a wig that looked just like Naomi's. <laughs> I remember making sure that like this fabric dress that my mom had twirled the way she did down this one catwalk when I would watch that. What was it? Um, fashion, fashion TV, fashion yeah, TV. TV. Yes. Oh, that yes. shit was. So good. it was like my thing to watch, and I thought that like that's how I was enlightening myself on the fashion world. And um, I would watch her walk down the runway, and I was like just mesmerized. Do you feel like the face of like representation for minorities has changed enough? It's changing enough? No. Because um, we're seeing... I completely agree. Yeah, we're seeing more black women. We're seeing... But we need to see more Latinas or we need to see more Asians or we need to see more Indian women. Like, it's like, it's slowly changing, but it's the slowest process I have ever seen because I feel like it's so many women that are not being represented and you have to think of of not just those women, but there are little girls who are looking at that. And that's where your responsibility comes into play as uh, whether you're a designer a big brand, you have to remember that. And guess what? If you think in business-wise, they got 
money that is green or whatever color it is <laughs> from where they're from and they want to spend it. So if you're smart, you're going to make sure that you don't just um, um, have things available for the majority, but the minority women as well. Black cosmetics is a billion dollar business. Well, I mean, seeing Rihanna, Alone. obviously, when she released her makeup collection yes. with 40 shades and then so many people in Dior finally is the first major luxury fashion house has come out with 40 shades as well. I think one of the big things that I worry about and feel free to agree or disagree with me is we're now treating ethnicity as a trend. Boom. So like like this season, Asian women are in. Next season, it's trans women. So like we, and we get really up on our high horse and we're like, oh, we're really diverse. But actually you you just have turned yeah. markets into trends. No longer is it low slung jeans and crop tops. Now it's the colour of my skin or, or, you know, my heritage as a person. I think yeah. that is a behaviour that we need to break down real quick with fashion because it's too easy to turn it into a hairstyle. Or- yeah, and I mean, even with designers having these moments where they find themselves almost hanging themselves... You know what I mean? Mm. With uh, the mistakes that they're making in their own houses. Oh, yeah. And not having the, like people on board who are diverse or well-educated enough to say, you're not supposed to do that. Well, it's including everyone in the conversation. Exactly. Everyone. Doesn't matter like who it is. It's everyone. And I think that they have to know that. How conscious are you that you are the Naomi Campbell to a lot of girls? Like how how does that sort of weigh on you? Like obviously, my being mouth a woman- just dropped. I just I don't. That's insane to me. That um, see, I don't even know how to take that. Um, that's is really awesome. It's really awesome, and I think the the sweetest thing. Like somebody just actually wrote on my page. Um, they said um, um, Kelly Rowland has been. Um, my way of identifying myself in the world as a chocolate girl. And you never think about things like that because I was so busy thinking about Janet like that or Whitney like that or, you know, Naomi like that, but you don't think of yourself doing it. So when someone does say that, you're just completely humbled, completely humbled. Where are you shopping? Let's just, I'm going to ask. Where am I shopping? Yeah, Yeah, what are you loving? What are you buying? I'm just a vintage. Huh? Is this kid X? Oh, my hip willow is one. Oh, she's like our second mother. Amazing, amazing, amazing. it's completely Sustainable yes. from dirt to hanger, she is phenomenal. Um, but right now, I'm really into vintage shopping. Mm. I'm, I don't really necessarily want to buy anything new. Same. You know what I mean? Unless I'm like, oh, I don't have anything like that. Have I come across anything like that vintage? No. This is really bad, guys. I don't have a Destiny's Child T-shirt from what? not one tour. You need like a That's full a like dilemma. <laughs> you need all the Kelly T-shirts. I need everything. Oh. And now it like got me thinking about merch, and I'm like, okay, I have to like really do like a limited like thing now because yeah, that's you're so cool merch. About it. Artist merch is the new thing. Like, you were in Surrey Hills though. You should like that's Homo headquarters. You could have just been like Destiny's Child T-shirt, and they just would have come like, <laughs> yeah. flying out at you. It, it's like I should have done There's that. a gay bar. I'm sure it probably has them. Just a toilet. Man. Thank you so much for talking to us. Are this you is... kidding me? When I come back, can we do this again? Yeah, absolutely. Let's <laughs> Maybe go Maybe we do it tea. inside of a vintage shop. Yes. Bye. Well, that was fun. Quick, better call your dad. Yeah. Hi, thanks for calling. Leave a message and I'll get right back to you. Bye. Hey, Andrew, can you handle this? <laughs> Richard, I don't think you can handle this. No, because you're not part of Destiny's Child. We're reforming. Oh my God, Richard, he thinks he's a strong black woman now. I am a strong black woman. (laughs) Andrew, Christian, Kelly, I'll let you guess who the Michelle is. 
Um, she basically said that our interview was better than your interview. You interviewed her today as well, which I assume is why you haven't picked up because you're probably doing it right now, which makes sense. That's why he hasn't picked up. Well, yeah. again. Um, give me a call. Love you. Bye. Radical Fashionism was presented by Christian Wilkins and Andy Kelly, created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Alex Mitchell, executive producer Jennifer Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au. Download the Podcast One app or search Radical Fashionism on Apple Podcasts.